The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about identity theft and cybersecurity, and we have a wonderful guest coming to us from Arizona. Let me tell you a little bit about Mark Privish, who has over 30 years' experience in working with financial institutions and Fortune 500 companies throughout the U.S., His background includes working in the cybersecurity, data breach, risk management, and identity theft business sectors. And he is the VP and ID theft practice leader for Merchants Information Services, Inc. This is an identity theft and data breach risk management firm based in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. And Mark has helped lead the product line development, and marketing, and sales since 2005. He formerly co-chaired the Merchants ID Theft Advisory Board and wrote a weekly business column for Gannett, the Arizona Republic, on cybersecurity, data breach, identity theft, and personal privacy for several years. He's the author of the longest-running monthly ID theft column in the United States, and his identity theft and cybersecurity insurance experience has made him a national thought leader and one of the leading identity theft risk management experts in the United States. You can find out more about him at our website at privacypiracy.org, where you'll see his picture of his handsome face, and we link to his website, which is Merchant MerchantsInfo.com. So thank you so much, Mark, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Mari, and a uh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, so it was fun that we were talking right before the show started about all these people that we know. This is kind of a small industry, or at least an industry where a lot of people know each other. And you've been doing this work for 15 years. Uh, You've been recognized as a national cybersecurity expert, and you've spoken on identity theft like I have. And so we are, we're kindred spirits. So how can you be a nationally record, recognized cybersecurity expert if technology isn't your big thing? So it is interesting. Everyone thinks of cybersecurity. You know, the sizzle of cybersecurity is IT and hacking. And 25 years ago, I worked for AIG, American International Group, in New York City for nine years. And at that time, I was one of the first individuals to sell cyber liability insurance in the world. 
and my cyber insurance experience placed me in this identity theft, data breach risk management, and uh, cybersecurity space with a focus on response and recovery. When you think about insurance, it's to help you respond. So cyber insurance uh, basically put me in this cybersecurity space. Yeah, so when people hear response and recovery, can you kind of clarify what the difference is for my audience? Sure. Um, About five years ago, uh, for the Arizona Republic, when I was writing a weekly column for them, I wrote a weekly column titled, Response and Recovery is the Key to Company Survival After a Data Breach. And essentially I said, CEOs and senior executives do not get fired when their companies get hacked or experience a data breach event. They get fired for failing to implement and test regularly a clearly defined strategic management response to their data breach event. So an example I'll use are the the CEOs of Target and the CEO of Equifax. They did not get fired because they experienced a breach event or were hacked. They were fired because of their failed management response to their data breach event. So every business, regardless of size, small and large, uh, they should already know today. If, If businesses today are talking about an event that happened last night and the senior team is talking this morning, what are we going to do about it? It's already too late. So I've, already, I've always told people, whether I've written or spoken publicly about it, uh, the future of data breach risk management is response and recovery, having a plan in place. Yes, because it's, I mean, these bad guys are so good at what they do, aren't they? I mean, it's yes. not, like they always say, it's not if you're going to have a, some kind of a data breach, it's when you're going to have it and are you ready. So, yeah. Now, you know, in, in terms of the, I, I, I wonder about the um, cyber breach insurance. I know that I had spoken and even had AIG on to talk about it. And it's really wonderful to have. And they really expect you to do a lot. What about small companies, though, little tiny mom and pop companies that collect a lot of data? What do you suggest for them? So every company should consider cyber insurance. It's not for everyone. But every company should consider cyber liability insurance or cyber insurance. And when they consider it, they should should be working with their uh, professionally trained and licensed insurance broker because not all cyber insurance is the same and not all businesses are the same. And probably the single largest exposure that a small business has isn't necessarily their database, but it, they happen to be the access point to a larger business. So mm-hmm. a lot of times a small heating and air conditioning company that might be a vendor to a company like Target might have employees who are not uh, responsible or careless with the access, the legitimate access to the Target uh, server. And this is the true, this is the actual story Uh, uh, an employee of a regional small business heating and air conditioning company clicked Mm -hmm. on a phishing email, giving access to the uh, server, to the bad guys. And so that small heating and air 
conditioning company, that vendor to target, it wasn't necessarily their database that they were going after. They were going through that vendor as an access point to a larger company. But cyber liability insurance, depending on the type of industry you're in, the type of information you collect, the type of information you store, you know, depending. It's a great, uh, depend is a great response for insurance people. But depending on all these things, your insurance agent might say, cyber insurance is a great thing for you to have, or it may not be as important as you think right now. We'll look at it next year. But it's a great way to mitigate your exposure in the event of a data breach event. Yeah. So other ways to, to minimize your exposure would be not to not to store this stuff, <laughs> right? right, right. I, mean, I mean, because right. even if you have it encrypted, if you if you don't need it, why keep it, right? So what it, are the – thi- yeah, go ahead. It, it's one of the reasons small businesses are becoming such great customers to cloud security companies. You know, why should you have a server on – uh, at your office, your regional office, your home office, whatever office, why should you have a server that has all that information and you hear about hacking and ransomware? Because when you have that server or servers that are hacked with a ransomware event and all of a sudden the company is at a standstill because they don't have access to do anything versus – and it's not that – it's not that um, – the cloud security companies and storage companies, not that they can't be hacked, but small to mid-sized businesses typically don't have the financial and IT resources of larger companies. So here they have an opportunity to use a resource like a cloud company with all their information in the cloud, but with all their security and all their protections. So a lot of small uh, businesses, you, you see a trend today of going to the cloud. The only thing is you have to be careful, don't you, though, Mark, about where that cloud is, like if it's in Russia or Croatia or uh, South America. I mean, are they going to be as careful as a cloud company maybe in the United States that has more, um, you know, more restrictions? Yeah, that's a great point. And just typical of any small to medium-sized business, let alone a large business, you have vendor due diligence. So you would be asking those kinds of questions. You know, the information that we're um, giving you, the Mm -hmm. server that's in the cloud, where is that physically located? And who are the employees? And how are they trained? And the security standards. But vendor due diligence. You know, cyber insurance is a really nice thing to have. Well, vendor due diligence is a really nice thing to do, just no different than you or I as a consumer making a major purchase. Small businesses need to do vendor due diligence to make sure that if they were to go to the cloud, it's here in the U.S., it's got the proper security, the the employees who are trained, et cetera. Yeah, and can I get my stuff back if if somehow I have a a crash? Can I get my stuff back quickly, you know? Right. And, you know, all those things. So it's so hard for small businesses, right? I mean, it's let alone what's been going on with the pandemic, right? Right. <laughs> and they got to worry about that, and they've got to worry about health of their employees, and they have to worry about payroll. But then they got to worry about all this cybersecurity, which is totally 
you know, foreign to them anyway, right? It, it, it's never-ending. When you think about just the news headlines, whether it's identity theft or data breach, all of us, there's this phrase called breach fatigue. Right. And all of us are just getting tired of reading the headlines or hearing the news about uh, ID theft victims or data breach events. But here's probably the most important thing uh, consumers and small businesses need to know. With breach fatigue, when we begin ignoring the news and the trends and the updates, then we're beginning to ignore that problem. And that's a problem. Right. So the single largest challenge that we as individual consumers, when you think of our family members or our small businesses, um, the single largest thing we need to remember is that experts today are devising new breach prevention systems and protocols and best practices every day. We constantly hear in the news about patches, Microsoft patches, make sure you update this patch. With all of that happening, hackers and ID theft criminals and corporate spies, they're still finding access to sensitive and confidential data. Right. And, and this is, you know, when I talk about it, while information security technology is critical to every business, software security is huge, vendor due diligence is, new, is huge. If you're a small company, being in the cloud could be huge. But an equal or more important element is response and recovery. If you, sometimes a response and recovery program, let's just say you and I are in business together, and as a business, new business partners, we decide one of our priority action items is to create a new security policy. Our policy can be simple as one page. As a small business, we say we lock our doors, we lock our files, right. we have software security on all the laptops, we update our software security, and we can have a list of 10 action items. Those 10 action items need to be read. If your small business has three employees, five employees, 10 employees, our small business needs to have each employee read this one-page overview of our security policy. They need to read it, understand it, and actually sign it. And, and be say, trained, I've, and be trained on like what trained. it means, yeah. And, and why would that one-page overview of a security policy be important? Because in the court of law, if a small business experiences a data breach, and there's either another business or a consumer or consumers or a public entity. But if someone says, you're responsible for my event, you actually, in the court of law, you actually get to hold up this one piece of paper sure. that we created as our security policy and say, you know, Judge, we looked at this and we tried to be proactive with best practices and a policy. And so here it is. We put it in writing. We trained our employees. We, everyone read the policy, and we updated it each year. Something so simple as that can help, again, mitigate the exposure for that small business. Right. And what's even worse that can happen is, let's say you've got a policy and you haven't trained on it, and you've got this policy and you show, look at this policy, and then you show that you did not do it. If they prove that they that you did not follow your policy, then you're really in trouble you're in right. a court of Great law point. or with the Federal Trade Commission or any, yep. any uh, or entity. Any regulatory agency. Right. Correct. Yeah. 
So if you're going to do a policy, which you should be having, you know, like in the state of California, we have an office of privacy protection within the AG's office. And there's all sorts of lists of how you can do your own policy and what you should the do's and the don'ts. And that is there for you if you're a California business person or you do business in California. And, you know, they have this on the Federal Trade Commission website as well. But it's really important that you if you're going to say you're going to do it, you better you better do it, right? That is such a great point. The state of California, state of Arizona, the federal government, the FTC, right. there are so many resources out there that have templates that you can customize right. for right. your business, for your industry group, that can help you start the process of creating that policy and then updating that policy. Yeah, Mark, you know, I want to bring it home to everyone, even if they don't own a business, if they're an employee. So let's talk about smartphones. Now, I know that you wrote an article that said that your smartphone or your cell phone is a threat to your personal privacy. Why don't we talk about that? Because everybody is tethered, you know, wherever, all over the world to to their smartphone. So let's talk about that. So when you think about smartphones, And when you think about cell phone numbers, cell phone numbers have become a primary way for technology companies like Facebook and banks and credit card uh, companies to uniquely identify uh, your listeners and uh, you and me to help identify are we who we say we are. And in some ways, a cell phone number has become the new social security number. And people say, what do you mean by that? So if I wanted to access my 401k or a credit card number, it's not uncommon as I'm online for that uh, uh, 401k plan or the credit card company to say in that while I'm on their website trying to get onto my account, they say, we'd like to text you or email you a security code. Right. And which, which would you prefer? And so I say, my, uh, te- please text my cell phone. I get typically a six-digit code. Sometimes it's an eight-digit code. Right. I put it in, and now I'm in my account. Right. Well, a recent trend is that the bad guys, ID theft criminals, are hijacking your and my cell phone number. Right. And you and I might go 30 minutes without having a text or a phone call or a voicemail message, and we might think it's unusual, and then all of a sudden we try to make a call and our phone is disconnected. And a recent trend out there is where ID theft criminals are calling uh, the cell phone carrier, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, and they have enough personally identifiable information, PII, and credentials where I'm calling pretending to be you, and I have your social security number, I have your home address, I have your cell phone number, and I say, I'd like to change. I have a brand new phone, and i like to change my cell phone number from this phone to the new phone. And it's done, and now all of a sudden I go online pretending to be you to that 401 uh, account, 401k account or that checking account, And they ask, would you like us to text or email the security code? And they text the security code to me. I'm pretending to be you. Oh, to a different number. 
to a, dip, a, a same phone number, okay. but it's my phone, not oh. your phone. And so it could be the same number or it could be a different number. I could, right. I could be calling and say, but either way, a different, uh, you know, an ID theft criminal is now having access to your checking account right? or your credit card account or your 401k account. Right. So uh, I'd like to say to people that when you think about your smartphone, Think about texting and email and social media. Think about the camera on our laptop or our cell phone. Think about, you know, a lot of people you see cover with tape the camera on a laptop. They should also be covering with tape the microphone that's listening in Mm. on your conversation. Mm. Um, But think about what we do on our uh, smartphones, texting, email, social media, camera, banking, it's your uh, computer, right? It's it's a computer. I mean, so, like when I go away, if I if I'm away for one night and I don't feel like taking my computer, I've got my computer right on my phone, right, right on my iPhone. And with that computer, there are think of every app. All of us think of all your listeners. Think of you and me. When was the last time we read in great detail when we add an app to our phone? Right. <laughs> when they the conditions of accepting the app. Right. They are asking us to read, and we just click away and say, yes, yes, yes. And what we're doing is we're giving permissions right. for all these different app providers. To share, to, right? To, to sh- share information, geo-tracking, Wi-Fi tracking, microphone eavesdropping. They're not eavesdropping to listen on to personal or private conversations, but they're listening. Same thing with the laptop, same thing with our TVs. They're listening for key words that relate to buying habits. And generally speaking, 90% of all this, it's all marketing that they're doing. 90% of what uh, the manufacturers and the cell phone companies and the app uh, service providers, 90% of what everybody is doing is with great intentions and they're helping the consumer and they're helping all of us. But 10% of the time, Sometimes, whether it's a legitimate organization or an identity theft criminal, they are having access to your and my personal information that may at some point in time be a disadvantage to us. Right. So we just we need to be very careful about how we use our smartphone, how often we go on social media, how often we tell people we're going away for three weeks on vacation, no one's at home, and we're telling the bad people, come to our home because we're not there. So Mark, what do we do? All right. So, um, I have my, and again, maybe this is another worry that I worry about. You know, I worry about the, like you're talking about the text. So I have like, um, biometric, you know, with, with my phone, I have biometric to get into certain of my investments, right? Yes. So, you know, is that something that's hackable too? So first of all, the answer is yes, but biometrics are a great technology. In the cybersecurity world, they talk about layers of security. So two-factor authentication is a layer of security. And then uh, biometrics, when we use our finger or thumbprint or facial recognition, um, all of these are layers of security that can help all of us uh, protect us, our families, our businesses. But typical of technology, 
in order for biometrics to uh, work, there is a the technology essentially has our fingerprint. It has our facial recognition. Right. It has our thumbprint. It may be voice recognition. Right. And what I've learned is that most, not most, all biometrics can be replicated. You're right. Or but, stolen or hacked. Or stolen. Right. Yeah, yeah. Stolen, hacked, or replicated. But by the way, they are a great form and additional layer of security. But I will tell a very interesting story. GoDaddy.com is based here in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, the chief legal counsel of GoDaddy.com gave a tour. And I was a member of this tour. And as we went through the company deeper and deeper into the secrets of the company and the servers of the company, it was really fascinating to see a code, like a passcode, to biometrics, mm-hmm. to the one biometric, and this was a few years ago, so things may have changed, but the one bi- biometric that was fascinating to me that could not be replicated was you took your wrist and put it over the scanner, huh. and it was scanning your blood flow. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, you know, it's sci-fi and movie and Hollywood. Right. The Brave New World. It was really cool. The Brave New World. But biometrics, there has to be a copy of our thumbprint, of our facial recognition, of our voice. So there's a copy of that everywhere with whoever is supporting the, the biometrics. Um, but the, I thought the uh, wrist and the blood flow, I thought that was pretty That's cool. That's amazing, yeah. Would you believe we are just out of time, Mark? We could talk forever. It's wonderful. So I want you to um, give your website, and we will have to have you back again. Sure. So my website is uh, www.merchantsinfo, M-E-R-C-H-A-N-T-S-I-N-F-O.com. And if I just had to say one thing to um, the, all, all the listeners, as a consumer, I know there are all these ID theft services out there that are promising so many things. Just remember that the core product offer of the majority of these ID theft services are credit bureau monitoring, and yet half of all ID theft victims have nothing to do with the financial event. Right. So credit bureau monitoring is a great resource and a great asset but it also provides a false sense of security. It cannot prevent you from becoming a victim of ID theft. Well, thank you so much, Mark, and we will have you back again. You take care. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org. On the web, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website, privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.
Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Fighting for Love, which airs every Monday morning at 8.30 right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm also pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And the sheriff wants to warn you about text phishing schemes. They say to never blindly respond to a text message by asking you to call the number that is given. So never, ever call that number. Do some research and find the actual number for the entity you're trying to call. So if it's some agency like Social Security Administration, Disability, or anything that is a government agency, always look up the actual number. Call the agency the person is from directly to verify their identity. Don't just believe them. And if you have been uh, subjected to this scam, report the scam to the Orange County Sheriff's Department by calling 714-647-7000 or 949-770-6011. Don't get caught in these scams. 